Howard Lindzen is the founder and general partner at Social Leverage. All opinions expressed by Howard and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Social Leverage or Stock Twits. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for decisions. Guests may maintain positions and securities discussed in this podcast. Yo! Yo, yo! Yo, Yelinda! How you doing? I'm doing good. I was just uh, manscaping, you saw. You caught me manscaping. I got yeah. hair coming out. It just falls out. Like You know, you can't unsee that. I know. That's I do it on purpose. Uh, yeah, I know. Because you, I've hit the age where I don't watch TV, so I don't have CNN or Fox or MSNBC on. So I'm just acting like an old person that doesn't watch TV. I just pull hairs off my body. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just am amazed at the length of some of them. Yeah. It's and, disgusting. And again, thank you for sharing these details. <laughs> <laughs> like, wh- why is one so thick, like a like a piece of grass, and why are some like uh, a wispy, like a that you couldn't have seen it with a telescope? This is what I really wish I had that button that goes beep. Can we edit this? Of course we can, but we're I don't not think going we to. Should. Of course, I've we not won't. offended anybody. Why should we? Just I've offended my breath. Any family members that are listening to this. So speaking of uh, manscaping. And my friend Stuart Sop has good hair. He's young. He has good hair. Stuart's been on the show, but like Neil Banks, you know, I had Chamath on, on not on my podcast, but on my, on my Zoom cast. And he was like, banks are fucked. Did he really say that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, they are. I mean, if you look at, we're in almost November 2020. The market's had an incredible, since we started the podcast, it's just gone nothing but up. Stocks, stocks only go up. But you know, the stocks that aren't going up are banks. And you know what stocks are going up? Neobanks. And not stocks, they're not public. But So there's this company called Chime, which is a neobank. Mm-hmm. It means it's built on the rails of, it's not a full-on bank, but it feels like a bank if you're a customer, like it's an app. And does everything. Mm-hmm. And $14 billion valuation. Holy moly. Yeah, I sent a note to Robin that said, get your act together. How's Chime worth <laughs> more than you? Kidding. Yeah. And then I called Stuart because I'm a small personal investor in Stuart's company Current from bank. way back, current.com, which itself is a neobank. And he has seen things, meaning he is now a big neobank, but he started as a little acorn, Canute. <laughs> so, and he's like he has some weird accent from another part of the world. Right. Worked in the banking side. So I want to bring him back now that the market isn't in panic, although maybe heading to a panic. Loves talking about stocks, currencies, crypto, and, and built one of the fastest growing American neobanks, current.com. So we're, we're going to talk about that and where neobanks are heading, where banks are heading. You ready? I am. Sop it up with Stuart Sop. <laughs> Hi, how we doing? How oh, are man. Things? I'm I'm so I'm a- tired. So you're gonna carry me on this episode because you're ret- you're so retired or tired. Oh, I'm I could retire. That's how much money I have. I have neo. I'm almost neo bank money. Jeez, you're rich. I'm non rich rich. It's kind of like what a neo bank oh, is. It's a non bank bank. <laughs> You know, I've got, uh, I've got my friends, I got my podcast, I got six, 700 people that subscribe. I mean, you know, give a man a, feed a man a fish. And I wanted to have you back because, you know, the, the neobanks are a thing. At Chamath, mm-hmm. I had Chamath and I were chatting and he was like, banks are, f-. I just love 
talking to him because he was not only is he like long SPACs and, and outsourced banking, which is what Yoni Editoro called it yesterday to me mm. over a Zoom call because he's he gets pitched and, and you know any great company right now is getting pitched a SPAC and right. um, and people are starting to learn and so SPACs are outsourced banking and another form of outsourced banking is neo banks and you mm. you started one correct I did okay so did. so what yeah. is a neo bank and tell me about current sure I think there's a lot of different flavors of neobanks. We all get bundled into, into one kind of thing. And we're all sort of solving slightly different problems because banking, as we know, is, you know, uh, like a Chase or a Bank of America, it's a one size fits all. And so, you know, the first wave of fintech went after lending and P2P lending, and that proved sort of disastrous uh, in, in many ways. Um, it, it, it proved that, you know, the lending part, you really need, really did need deposits. And so the sort of second wave was taking those learnings in America at least and saying, you've got to solve real problems. You can't just be the most aggressive on price. You actually have to build a product that solves a real problem. And so for us at current, at least we were like, huh, there's a ton of problems. There's about 120 million people, 130 million people live paycheck to paycheck. You'll hear this a lot from, from a lot of neobanks, but they don't necessarily solve the problem. Um, and there's a uh, 30 odd million of that demographic who are unbanked and then a bigger proportion uh, underbanked. And so, uh, people using prepaid cards. Um, if you've wondered what those prepaid cards are doing in your 7-Eleven or CVS, that's, that there's people actually using them and living uh, daily lives on, on those things. If you lose the money like cash, your net worth is gone. Yeah, so, so the, the, those are the, pre, the prepaid that you see. And, and obviously we see people with cash coming onto current. 50%, just under 50% of all our new members that join current have never had a bank account before. Wow. And, and there's not every fintech can say that. In fact, no one else can say that. Um, we also have a multi-product strategy um, with the onboarding into the financial services sector. We also have a team bank account. That's where we started. It's when we first talked. Right. And so we've sort of continued our mission upwards in age up to about 35. So um, so that's that's our mission is to improve financial outcomes for people who have, who have just joined the banking industry. So we don't really overlap with our bigger friends, Chime and Square and Venmo and such. We're all do, doing slightly different things. And, and then if you compare us to the banks, and that's probably the most important part, um, they have a business model uh, that's materially broken, or as Jamal would say, fucked. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so... You know, they're ac accumulating assets uh, and there's more than enough reserves, as we've seen. The, the Fed have done a good job of doing that. Um, and, and so there's no structural problem with, with, with accumulating assets, but there is a structural problem with lending. They don't trust anyone. Banks are terrible at lending um, and their net interest margin has been crushed. So their business model is materially broken. And of course, 25 to 45% of all their checking accounts lose the money because uh, their paycheck to paycheck, the demographic we, we intend to bank. So we don't focus on deposits. We focus on the spend experience. We have a fundamentally different revenue and business model and are able to grow very quickly because we're welcoming people who are typically overlooked by banks. So, and that's a really nice thing. A warm, fuzzy hug saying, we want your business. We're not going to give you overdraft fees and all this other stuff that, that banks typically do to try and make a dime on people they don't want. Wow. And so you started out you had a great domain. Your Thank investors, you. Uh, you know, I'm a small investor. Who was the original seed again? Was it uh, Expa? Yeah, it's Garrett. Garrett Kemp, co-founder of Uber. Um, you know, builder of men. Yeah, Le le leader of Better autonomous than a vehicles. Toucher of men. So, well, uh, you know, which yeah. just seems to be well, the thing in 2020. <laughs> Everything's a thing in 2020. Meet Joe, toucher of men. <laughs> 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 We're not editing that. 
man, keep that shit up. All right, so he's a builder of men and a, yeah, and a master of his own domains. He loves domains. Does love domains? Yes. And he, he's, he, I, I would describe, you know, the expert slash, and I'm talking for them, so so feel free for them to sue me. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're very focused on brand mm-hmm. and identity in an attention economy world. And I think they were very early to that and they were very right. Mm-hmm. You know, so right that in 2000, I wish someone had told me that as a mature, because you're mature, but uh, and not young mature, you're just mature, even though it might be your first rodeo, you were, you're mature in the yeah. sense that you wanted to do it right from the beginning. And I didn't, I tell this because I had Louis Moses on the show, Canute, uh, you know, marketing. It's like a, the founders today are not spending enough time. And maybe it's already too, and, and we're seeing that, right? They just think, oh, AWS, mm-hmm. spin it up, plaid, spin it up, stripe, spin it up. And I get it for a single person at home wants to spin up a little Shopify store. But if you're really thinking about doing this, not enough people are thinking about the brand and the attention. That's right. And and Uber was, Expo was a little ahead of that, meaning maybe they spent too much time on it. But Mm -hmm. I guess you never can't, once the thing's working, you can't go back and fix it. It's so much harder to go back and like get everybody around a new brand and everything else. So I give them credit because I used to like, whoa, they're wasting a lot of time and money at the beginning on thinking about all that stuff. But it sure helps when you're up and running and working and you don't have to go back and recreate all that stuff. Yeah, it's hard, isn't it? Which one to prioritize, like product market fit or the brand design identity? And and and, and I think the real answer there is a bit of both, right? If you if definitely you we went too far side, just around product yeah. market fit, you got to have a bit of both. Spend a little money. Yeah. Think about who you want to be, That's the it. colors, the the what it stands for. That's right. Stand out. I mean, a commoditized market. I mean, look at you know, look at the old shoe, Nike, Adidas, all that stuff. They they went through that in the eighties and nineties, and they you know the the survivors were the ones. Um, who took, you know, influence, <clears throat> grassroots uh, influence and sponsorship as well as brand and identity very seriously. So it's 2020. Chime has a $14 billion valuation. Square has a $1 trillion, $400 billion valuation. <laughs> and, he, and he's not going to shave his beard until, uh, I don't know, forever. He looks like Elmer Fudd over there at Square. <laughs> so you're up against the brands of Venmo which is coming hard yep. and, and did crypto. Mm-hmm. You're up against the uh, a thousand velociraptors with capital and mm-hmm. a, a deal with Visa and a deal with MasterCard and Plaid and Galileo and uh, whatever. Ooh. And then you're up yeah, against, it's crowded in there. It's crowded because I send you decks all the time. And then um, <laughs> you're up against, obviously the behemoth in, in valuation is Chime. And so mm-hmm. where does current fit in in that world? Yeah, I think it's a really good question and one that, you know, I'll be probably fielding for the for the coming years. The key is not to mow anyone else's lawn. Um, we have carved out our own niche in the sense of, you know, 18 to 35, 50% uh, never used a bank account or have a bank account before. Right, that exactly. is unique in this space. In terms of valuation, I mean, I can't share too much, but things are going very well. Obviously, yeah. a very hot market and, yeah. and we've proved ourselves in, in terms of growth and acquisition. You know, I can't speak for Jack and his, you know, trillion gazillion valuation and all the rest of it. But um, the P2P guys have a very unique angle for growth. Time will tell whether they can convert to primary financial relationships. Mm-hmm. And that's the important thing. The distinction between current and Chime versus uh, Square and Venmo 
is obviously the angle of which we've gone into the market. We've gone into the market as a primary financial relationship on, uh, with totally different demographics um, versus those two guys who are like, hey, we're for everyone and you can send money to your friends. And the, and, and the sort of prevailing idea is that, oh, well, you know, you get 100 million people and 20% will convert. Well, I would challenge whether that's ever going to be reality, but like that's clearly where the valuation is saying it is. And the Europeans, those pesky lockdown Germans and French people in round seven of their social communist. Uh, <laughs> I've just trounced everybody. So so they were coming. I haven't heard peep out of the neobanks out of Europe. Yeah, negative gross margin will do that to you. Uh, you know, valuations and, and unit economics are like gravity. You can defy gravity for a little bit. You can jump real hard. But, but realistically, like all things, you know, as we're seeing in the public markets, all things will come back to, to haunt you if you haven't really got your house in order. And, and those European guys had a, a you know, three-lap head start on all of us due to, you know, regulatory uh, environment in Europe's much simpler. Um, just, just the, you know, the, everyone wanted to see something different. Um, there was a lot of secondary accounts. So their, their business model was secondary accounts affluent millennials traveling, right? And so they came over to America and realized that no one has a passport. Um, and then 40% still don't have a passport. So your TAM is materially, materially smaller. And also foreign exchange, I mean, I, I mean, I went to Mexico once and they took dollars. So, I mean, you're fine. It's still, it's still the currency of choice in the world. And so you don't have the same kind of problems as you do in Europe. Um, people working and living in different countries and all that stuff, all that travel. And, and, and so they came with the business model that wasn't going to work. They tried to pivot quickly. COVID hit. They, have very, they don't understand actually the infrastructure problems that you need to circumvent, which are very, very hard to do and probably slightly intentional, I imagine. Um, so, so the barrier to entry is much higher with the regulatory and infrastructure burden of which you know, the likes of current have, have solved. And it takes years. It took us two, three years to get to that point. Of course, if you're in a tertiary or secondary market and, and your home, own home is burning down, well, you know, you, you, the fire engines are outside that one, not, not this one. They broke some cardinal rules that American, good American VC say, wait five years, wait whatever, wait forever. There's enough big market in yeah. the U.S. They hopped into our continent maybe too quickly. And now... Yeah. Uh, Excuse me. There's now... Wow, that was you, a big one. Can you... Is that uh, COVID-20? Yeah, that's COVID-30. There is something in there that might be COVID-30. Canute, send that to a lab. I'm going to go get tested right away. Once you wipe right it off your face, can you send that to a lab? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I need a shower. <laughs> Job security. I didn't cover my mouth. I, I made a megaphone yeah, around my mouth. That's I sneeze there. That's yeah. called share it with the podcast community. That was a little wet. Yeah. Yeah. I, oh, uh, this is viral now. So... Yeah, we can't go. We can't make our show go viral. But I, I can take take myself viral. It's a little bit of Howard on Canute right now. So not the first time. Yeah, Canute, you hear that? That was throwdown. That was, know, a, that was a reference right now. Actually, to he touches men. That was a, that was a well done. Yeah. You can tell this is a you can tell this a neobank, not J.P. Morgan. So right. so right. in That's the right. no Jamie Diamond here. In the but you worked at J.P. Morgan, no. I was at Morgan Stanley, the Morgan other brother, Stanley, but, um, but, you know, same thing, same thing. Yeah, yeah. So in the world of them coming here and failing, have, has Chime or anybody gone there? I know has Cat, the, the beef I got, I, listen, no one got square wronger than me. I don't know. I just was like, I got caught in that. Oh, they're only going to be in America, the world. Fucking America's huge. So I, huge. I miss, I just mentally messed up Tam. 
on the public side, forget on the private side. Um, so TAM is just big enough in the U.S. for all this, is it not? That is right. Yep. Couldn't agree more. I, I, and again, it's another question I get repeatedly. Look, we have 4,700 banks, 5,000 credit unions, and the banks are limited to 10% of deposits in this country. And there's a bunch of them banging up against it. So, wow. you know, the, the legal structure n- enables other competitors to come through. Um, you also have the Durban Amendment and all that other stuff to help smaller, which of course the near banks take advantage of, um, uh, to you know to service you know uh, people with less money. Um, and and so yeah, I think the Europeans just missed it. They don't. It's a real niche thing. America is massive. It's truly gigantic in terms of in terms of this industry. Um, and I don't think you need to be global. Like, but um, I look at the market cap of some of these banks, and they're horrendously inefficient. They spend ten billion dollars. They you know they proudly tell us. You spend $10 billion a year on IT. And I'm just like, what the hell are you spending? That? Yeah, they're the clouds. Where's that money going? How much is the CTO paid? And, must be a lot, right? And JP Morgan paid some like 10, 20 billion in legal fees. So it's like, you know, at some point that adds up. And so how is the, obviously the amount of people is less, just like Robinhood did to Schwab. Schwab laid off about a thousand people, which is basically a full Robinhood yesterday. Right. Like it's, yeah. you know, it's sad, but that's at least they're reacting. How is it all about how you market or is there other, you know, things that matter now? And is it a friend th- telling a friend or what, what, what's really working? I, th- I think as the uh, industry has progressed, like Chime proved that you didn't need to build a thing. Right. Okay. They, but they started, they started earlier than everyone. It was, you know, they were post simple, Everyone was in Europe, you know, all the VCs were investing in Europe. And and mm. so Chime, Chime grew and figured out pocket and product market fit on their own. There was no real competition. We started about two years later building the back end stuff, um, but they, they, they sort of partnered um, with people and they, they proved that that worked. And of course, Marketa signed as far and the market has changed, right? And so the edge on products will become and is already more and more important. Because as you mentioned, there's like a two trillion uh, MBA Duke uh, grads with a pitch deck and a Marquetta contract and an API and saying, I'm a bank, right? Like mm-hmm. my seven month old son will soon be a bank. Um, they, they, yeah, 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 I'll I think put, you I'll can do roll it. some of my profits of you into that. <laughs> 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 see, see you professionally invested in Robinhood, but the smart money, the personal money was in current. And I respect that, but I, I like the way you did separation of church and state. The, the, um, I got talked out of your, you know, you came and spoke at Stocktoberfest, <laughs> correct? That's right. Kindly invited. Thank you. And you were on the panel with like a lot of smart, like uh, pipe builders of banks. And they're like, eh, not Neil Bank, Schmeo Banks. And I'm like, what? I mean, why wouldn't this? You know, and I kind of got talked out of it by smarty pants in the room. And But I was yeah. smart enough to just say, all right, social leverage, you know, we don't really fully understand Neil Banks, but here's 25. Just make me proud. So <laughs> the, the. You got to be a bit dumb. You got to be a bit dumb to do anything. You know, you're going to be smart enough to know what you're doing, but like a bit dumb to to have a go at J.P. Morgan, Bank of America, or build something truly massive, right? So I, th- I think that's. And you can know, they react now, or do they do acquisitions, or what do you think their best move? Your your head of tech or your head of corp dev at J.P. Morgan or, or Citibank or Schmelz Fargo. What, is it too late or do, can they regroup and say, listen, we're just going to go buy Chime or we're going to go buy the second, third and fourth and just like 10 commandments, put them in a corner somewhere and just kill the industry like Salesforce does sometimes? Or is it just it's impossible for them to get into the game? I, I think for us it, at current, we're just a different business model. So like they would have to 
it, it just wouldn't work unless they were trying to do very, something very specific outside their remit. Chime, I think, is in their, you know, they're taking customers off off those banks. I, I, I'm sure they're, you know, they're a definite, there's probably a definite uh, bid M&A team somewhere trying to, trying to work out how much it's going to cost to make that problem go away. But realistically, you're only going to buy one bank sometime, right? Um, there are so many banks. And, and, and the thing about banks is they're not dumb. They're not, they're really smart people, not just because I work there, but they are, they're, they're really smart people. They're just very big and, in, you know, slow moving. And so the speed to market, the speed to innovation is just going to be impossible for them when they'll, they're trying to turn, but like there's so many banks that cannot turn that have third party outsourcing of IT and, and, and mobile stuff. And it's all FIS and Jack Henry, nothing's wrong with them, but you know, they've got these long-term contracts that are pretty stodgy. It means that they can't compete. They've, they've used to be in this defensive moat, um, and it was a geographic moat as well, right? It was like, hey, I got a branch, and that's cool. And I, I, this is my patch. And don't you come and open a branch opposite me? And now with mobile, it's like, well, who gives a shit about branches? No one. I, I'll take. I, I can take your customer from New York, and you're in Hawaii. Like, what about that that bank in Hawaii? Like, they never saw current coming, right? So I think it's very hard for them to defend against what's happening. The change is just like in every other industry and every other sector, it took longer because it's more complicated. There's more regulation. There's more money uh, to defend, but it's, we're sort of, we're sort of like the zombie apocalypse. We're sort of climbing the wall and we're kind of over. We kind of breached 2020 was breach. That's cool. So, so in a breach mode, looking back, what shiny object outside cloud did they miss? Is it, is it a plaid? Is it a Galileo? Is it a Marquette? What did they miss? That was like the, the first warning shot. Oh, good point. The customer. They just okay. didn't listen to the customers yeah. at all. They, you know, they thought everyone was had like 2008 was the big thing where they got bailed out. And I was in Citibank, by the way, having your, all your net worth at, at 30 bucks at Citibank at the beginning of 2008. And then at $1 <laughs> at the end of 2008, you know, so you didn't I, see it coming uh, either. You just, you <laughs> no. rode that bitch. Yeah, well, you uh, just got paid in city stock. So, you know, no one was happy. The people inside the banks were unhappy with banks. So, you know, that started it off. And, and so this whole idea of sort of wringing the cloth to get the juice out of every customer, this idea of that's how they became competitive, right? It was like they needed to do that instead of true product innovation. And they're still doing it. You see it every, I saw, a, I don't want to be, you know, a, a libelist, but I think it was a citizen's bank. Uh, offer and it was like six hundred dollars if you move over your your checking account. I was like, well, next week could be a thousand dollars because instead of using that six hundred dollars to just give away mercenary money, they should have built a product team. They should have they they need product managers and engineers, and they need to listen to customers and innovate and build stuff that people want instead of just saying, hey, we'll just buy your business over here for the biggest price. It's the biggest balance sheet wins in banking at the moment. And, and, and until someone realizes that's not a winning strategy, they'll continue along that route. All right. So it's not the, now nah, he's, he's ripping me apart here. Canute. So, okay. So putting aside the cloud, putting aside 2008, putting aside, they hate their customers. What was the next thing that mattered? The 17th thing down there. Well, for our, our members, it was about getting their money as quickly as possible. We didn't focus. It was business strategy. We didn't focus on deposits. We focused on getting our members their money as quickly as possible. And because we make money when they spend, we're aligned, right? And so if you're living paycheck to paycheck, you get your money as soon as you can. That's great. And so that was the big miss, was that a third of America lived like this. And all they did was go more affluent, more affluent, instead of saying, hold on. 
something's happening here. We uh-huh. need to, we need to start instead of like kicking them out and charging them, you know, 35 bucks for an overdraft fee. What, what can we do to help them? What can we do to listen to their problems? That was the big mess. So what I should have asked back then was knowing all that and the dummies on the panel that talk me out of the deal, then the real <laughs> thing is what makes Neobank even more valuable than people really understand today is, and maybe that's why so many kids are starting them, is that they know all this that you just learned. Mm-hmm. Th- and, and, and banks are fucked. They listen to the Chamath podcast. They go, banks are fucked. And there's all these like pipe things to, you know, from Stripe to, to Plaid, to yeah. Galileo, to Marketo, to, to pipe into. And the market's bigger than anybody thought because neobanks are probably the one link to the wealth gap that at least connects the concept of how big the wealth gap is, that, that there's so many people that want neobanks, that proves the wealth gap. That's right. Yeah, if you're, you're sort of backwards engineering it, that's 100% right. The, the, the need for liquidity, in it's just insane. Think about it. The, the, there's 130 million people screaming out for liquidity, yet huh. we have trillions of dollars that were not deployed since the last round of stimulus. Fucking so yeah, like, I get it. Yeah, this so is the opportunity. We have a, yeah, so you've got the banks sitting on the money, not lending, because it doesn't fit their business model. And, I, and we're accumulating all the customers saying they need credit. Well, they're good people. They're working. They're working in that Walmart, and it's just a broken system. So, like, fine, I'll fix it. If you don't want to fix it, I'll fix it um, uh, and make Howard Lindsay rich. Like, Listen, for sure. there isn't a better no. cause, Canute, you know, because you only have three weeks to live because you have not good health care, and I just blew COVID thirty on a new strain that I just dumped on right? you that has a mix of pizza and grease and falafel in it that uh, is a bit Greek, a bit Israeli. <laughs> I mean, you're a goner. But so, uh, I'm still laughing. I think one of the most important things that I made a little money here, potentially, on yeah. the backs of uh, an immigrant. A foreigner, <laughs> fuzzy foreigner. So this is oh, really it. So when we talked on we the first time, we were, I don't know if the first money had poured through, but we were talking about, oh, I wanted to just airdrop it through Square and, and Current. So where are we, if stimulus happens again and the Republicans finally, I mean, at the wrong time, these animals <laughs> uh, don't want the, uh, the stimulus to drop, neither side can come to terms and it's not happening now and there's no way it's happening yeah. short term. So if it was like a, a wave of the want, What's what's the smart thing that the guy, if you were called in instead of them talking to Jack about being blocked on Twitter yeah. today and they <laughs> called in all the neobanks, which they should fucking do, carve it up yep. and say, how do we get this liquidity to them people? So if they were doing their job and, and not grilling Jack and they were grilling Chime, Venmo, yep. Square, Current and your son, who, which is the Goo Goo Gaga <laughs> bank. The <laughs> goo goo gaga. Yes, here's an airdrop. If so, your son's in the meeting too. Uh, how would you guys all talk to the, to them about how to get the money to the people? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. I think you know the IRS mechanism that we used worked, um, but let's be honest: the people most in need probably either didn't file. A lot of people who are living paycheck to paycheck do file early because they typically get credits. Um, but a lot of people are not in that system still and a lot of people in need. Um, and so, you know, really what you're trying to do is work out who, who, is, a, who is a real user, who's an active account um, and, and could, hmm. could, the treasury, could the treasury plug in 
and distribute those funds instantaneously. Um, you know, there's a bunch of different ways that you could do it, um, but you don't really need to use the IRS, I think. I think that was that was just sort of the short, the shortcut. We should think about this very carefully. Um, we're still seeing stimulus come in from various states from the Trump stimulus, um, the $300 extra. That wasn't widely reported. We saw it on our system of about 27 states took that up and used it from the FEMA funds. And that continues even to this day. We saw a bunch of back pay from, from New Jersey uh, only this week. So, so I would talk to them about like, hey, who is who is eligible? Also, I don't think stimulus sub a hundred thousand dollars is is a thing anymore. It was when we didn't know what was going on. Now we know who who's got jobs, who hasn't got jobs. It should, in my view, should be focused on unemployment, jacking that up as much as possible. If there's a Biden win, we probably get a stimulus around Valentine's Day, right? Like after oh the oh my god, that uh, late? Not till February? Yeah, right, right. right no, because right. they'll all February, be bitter. Right? They'll all be bitter. Yeah. Well, and, and like, what does it, you know, and if it is, you know, if it's Trump again, I'm, I'm guessing he will push for it, but like the Democrats are going to, you know, do their thing and ask for 17 trillion instead of two or one or whatever it is. So I, you know, the earliest I think is early next year, month one or two. Um, and I think it should be, if I was talking to them, I'd say, Hey, this should just be unemployment, just jack down employment. So it's livable and it's extended. And when, and the economy is fully, you know, back to 10 instead of five, um, then you can reduce it. But like people who have jobs don't have a problem. They're actually saving more money, as we've seen from some of the, the chase data. Um, but, but for paycheck to paycheck, uh, and then you go into unemployment, well, there's this gap. It's just a huge hole. They can't get another job. It's terrible. Wow. All right. So uh, I think what have I missed about current that you'd like to tell people? Like how do how, you go to current.com? You Because I want to switch to the markets, but I want you to finish telling us about current. How many people are you today? Uh, we in the company we're yeah. just under seventy with a hundred and some. Yeah, I know, right? So it's growing mm-hmm. like a weed. We're, we're, we're going to uh, about one hundred and twenty within a year, I'd say. Um, we're all based here in New York, and then we have a BPO out in um, Manila, in the Philippines. So for our chat, and are um, you yeah, using Plaid or Galair, or are you building it all internally? We use all the above and have built internally, so we have optionality. As we go forward, That's some of important. it we do ourselves. It is. It's important. And also, we, we, it's just about a service level thing for us. If we own the code and it gets complicated, it means that, you know, we, we're responsible instead of someone else. And so current, it's easy. Bang, mm-hmm. bing, bang, boom. You go to current.com. You yep. got a bank account. Get a bank account. So we have three main products, a, f- a totally free product. It's free banking, no minimums. We don't close your account. None of that stuff. No overdraft fees. And then if you've connected a payroll and you want more sort of credit sort of functionality, meaning $100 overdraft, your payroll early. We also do points now, so you can do 5x points if you do the premium versus 1x on on the basic account. Um, And then we have our team bank account, which is for like 15 to 18-year-olds, typically aimed at the parents and teens. Um, That's that's, where you started. That was so beautiful. That's where we started. Yeah. And it still does well. We're doing very well in that product. So it's good for us. It's a good graduation product when they hit 18. And also we get about 26% of parents who get our team product to become full current account members. Got it. And so do you find that people open more than one? Like if so, if if it's like my son who has like his first job, did you find that they're opening more than one? Do kids understand they only need one or are they opening multiple neobank accounts? You know what? As far as the kid side, I don't really know. Um, when, when our 18 to 35 data suggests the ones that join us, join us. Um, but typically if they've come from another neobank, they'll have more than, more than two, kind of like multiple three or four. So there's about 15% of our growth, which I would call sort of mercenary growth. 
And what uh, am I missing? So, so I'm trying to think if there's anything else. And hiring right now, what's the big hiring about? Every customer support. Yeah, well, in New York, I mean, you know, product managers, engineers, risk people, more compliance, more uh, anti-fraud. I shouldn't say fraud because we don't we don't want to create it, but obviously people in that department, marketing, every every department really uh, looking for, um, and, and you know, good bunch of people who are aligned with a with a fun and, and worthy mission um, to to service America. And how are you finding growth? like dealing with culture and growth of like your high growth now, how, how is that in a COVID world in, in, in a city hit pretty hard? Yeah, it's tough. It's a really good question. So that's one of the things I think about a lot. We've, we've had 50% occupancy in our office. We're an essential business. So, so we have the privilege of, you know, as long as we follow the rules and guidelines, we can have people in the office working together if they so want and choose. And so we've had most of our company, um, 80, 90% have rotated in, uh, in and out. So we're still able to onboard new hires. They can meet the team. Um, they can feel comfortable. They can understand, do all the things that we used to do, you know, in the old days, meet people um, and then, uh, and get, you know, and, and see what their, you know, what their colleagues look like. And then, um, and then if they want to, they, they, they then rotate out. So that's, it's hard though. It's really hard. And in a world of pop-up stores where like all birds or, you know, do you know where you see Soho pop up? Is there is there a chance that neo banks get into the pop up business at least in like major cities? Hundred percent. It's it, it's like I the, love that idea. It's a hundred percent. Like you saw Apple and Amazon, you know, twenty years ago, say this is the death of retail. We're going to screw everyone online. It's all you know, all this other stuff. This is a new way of doing it. And then literally, you know, as they got to scale, they were like, hey, we're going to go into retail. <laughs> it's like, it works. You know, we're going to be in the real life. Um, you'll see this with neobanks at some point. Of course, what a branch will be for us will be materially different and probably not what people think, which is an Apple store. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just not going to be that. Um, and it's all software, right? There's only one card and the card will eventually go away fairly soon, right? Five, 10 years. Right. So that's exciting to think, like, you know, how retail gets imagined around money and neobanks, for sure. Maybe it's education, maybe it's jobs. I don't know, but there's something there. I think there's a really good opportunity for retail uh, reimagined around money and finance and banking. The, uh, yeah. So that's exciting. I want to be involved in that project for free. I won't yeah. charge. So, so I'm going to drop current and let's talk markets because, you know, it's, you, have, you, know. you have a big mind around this stuff. In fintech, what do you think of the plaid? Uh, and was that something that you thought would have trouble in antitrust? They're saying the Visa Department, uh, whatever Justice Department, may break that deal up. Yeah, Feels like I'm, no I'm one not, saw that coming. In a sense, the way the stocks are getting hammered. I, I'm not sure how much I can say because I was maybe part of this. Oh, okay. <laughs> the process. <laughs> but but what I would say is no, I didn't. I did not see that coming. Um, okay. I thought that was fine, but I was part of that process. Um. And in terms of Stripe, is that just a monster that just not enough people really fully understand, or is it uh, is it something that excites you? Yeah, I think people are more excited than I am on Stripe, um, and they're obviously very talented, good people. Uh, their, their product market fit was targeting engineers, and that you know all all the smart stuff. Um, unsure if they have an advantage long-term, but like they're certainly running as quickly as possible into other verticals to make sure they cement everything. Um, because what, what happens if, you know, Square tomorrow 
create the new visa and it's free and open source non-blockchain or whatever i don't know some something like that right like right. all of a sudden accepting visa uh, cards for three <laughs> percent your business could go overnight right so unless your stripe go gunning for that kind of future because everyone else is as far as i can tell right that's the promise of blockchain and all the rest of it um so so like what do you do right it feels like a binary risk at the end of the tunnel i'd, I'd like to you know that, okay. And then Bitcoin, it seems like there's something in between still. Like, you know, we talk about Bitcoin and, and Snap and Pinterest and Twitter and Facebook all-time highs, basically, give or take, uh, but yeah. at least half of them are at all-time highs. Uh, and it was the promise of decentralization five years ago, right? So where does yeah. Bitcoin fit in? Because you were bullish on Bitcoin, probably still are. I'm bullish, but where does it fit yeah. in today? I think, I think we're about to see a cyclical change in a rotation out of equities uh, into, into commodities and inflation. I think we're going to see a very painful future near term. In fact, it's, I think it's already started. Yeah, it's over 40 today. Yep, yep. Yeah, honestly, I think it's started. I'm, I'm not being convenient, but I actually do think it started. And then what that will do is necessitate, there'll be a, a political vacuum, right? And so it will necessitate massive, massive stimulus and, and all this other stuff that we've, we've already mentioned. Uh, and eventually we'll we'll probably get into the, into the trillions and trillions, like maybe 10 trillion and start to save the economy and all the rest of it and, and then create some kind of inflation. The output gap will close. And I think this is the TLDR of saying, yeah, I think the trust in the debt of America, the trust in the debt of, and reserves of the banks will be materially weakened. Commodities um, will be preferential because you'll have equities selling off, rates rates very low still. Where'd you put your money? Put your money in T-bills and you put your money in commods or Bitcoins outside, a commod outside the banking in, in infrastructure that you're worried about so or potentially worried about. And, and it's always been a political hedge, a government hedge and a banking hedge. So I think you get the trifecta of, you know, potentially Bitcoin doing very, very well, but in the short term, maybe subject to some of the hedge fund sort of closing of longs and things like that. So there'll be a dip. My gut feel is there's a dip. You buy it, close your eyes, you buy some gold and coffee and stuff that people need. Okay, well, that's, um, that's great advice. And where do you feel, is U.S. still the best house in a bad neighborhood or where would you go if you had to leave? Yeah, oh, well, I mean, I had to leave. I go, go to Australia. No one's there. Right. 23 million people. <laughs> if I could get in, they've closed the borders. I can't get in. <laughs> it's, it's pretty hard. They're only accepting two and a half thousand people in Sydney a week. Yeah, I'm starting um, to call all my old Sydney friends and be really nice to them. <laughs> you know, I'm just starting to say, hey, it's Howard. I don't want anything. Just want to say hello. And I'm on my best behavior with them, these, these crazy Australians. So they're all probably, I know, and feel something. But my spider tingly senses are when we started this and you were on in March, it was like too late to panic. I kind of would right. like to warn people in October that it's not too early to panic at the moment, meaning no one seems panicked enough. Now we are, as we speak, starting to see some panic and i think it's still early enough for people to sell some of these winners in the cloud because they're just locked into this um oh rates are zero there's nowhere else to go but equities i'm hearing that way too much over the last three four months and that doesn't mean stocks can't go down is all i'm worried about but uh, interesting to think about commodities because gold has not acted well relative to bitcoin it was doing well and then i don't know but i feel like it should start working in this environment, but maybe in a high VIX environment in Bitcoin, all of them get sold off, but like commodities at some point in the next year should cyclically yeah. have, it sucks for me. Cause I just like, well, coffee, I got to own coffee. I got to own platinum. I got to own gold. It doesn't seem like I want to do that. 
but it's, uh, boring. it's kind of boring, isn't it? It's much more fun to listen to quarterly reports on you know businesses and activity instead of like oh, I'm buying a slug of coffee or you know you know a few lakhs of gold. So I get it; it's a less fun environment. Um, but 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 I think it's necessary. Uh, environment with some of these things we're seeing in, in the equity market, uh, you know, signs, you know, you, you've lived through a few crises, yeah. crises and, and you see the, you see the bubble forming um, and there's the, the anecdotal things and we're seeing all the same stuff, right. From that Dave uh, Portnoy is the guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Barstool he, stonks only go up. Only go up. He could have, he could have been minted and printed in 1999, right? That, yeah. that guy could have been there. But it's he even the senses that. He's quieted down. He knows it's not that easy. He did a great job writing it, and I think he's now realized himself, thank God sports is back because this is a hard way to make a living. And yeah. uh, I've been through enough of these cycles to, I was enjoying it, but I tuned out rather quickly yeah. because he, he wasn't taking it serious enough. And it's fun when markets are going up. They should have been going up. We had had come off the most oversold, messed up VIX of all yeah. time. Yeah. And uh, I just think we're in some uncharted territory, right? You have the banks in trouble, yeah. airlines in trouble, Boeing in yeah. trouble, malls in trouble, cloud at all time highs. The divergences are crazy. That's and right. money printing going on. So I think you're right. In a plain, simple world, this guy's been around, you know, maybe boring, but commodities sound interesting. And uh, be wary of inflation. No one's talking about, but it's got to be lurking. Yeah, I, I, th I think the, the, the real key here is that stimulus and the lack of economic activity, like the politicians seem to think, and as a business person like yourself, and, you know, you've done real stuff, you can't just turn it back on. And, and keeping a little bit of money, a little bit of fuel in the engine doesn't keep it going. And so there's real economic destruction. And I feel like the, the, we're going to see a regulatory or sorry, a stimulus hole, uh, an election hole where no one's going to do anything. And I think we're going to see this slide into it and they're going to overstimulate, but it won't actually save any jobs and all the rest of it. Um, and I think, you know, we'll have material damage for many years, a few years at least. Yeah, well, wait, we said that we still see that with the banks and it's like the coyote, wily coyote over the cliff. Everybody, everything's moving fast, but nothing's happening. And then the drop. So it feels a little bit like that. I hope I'm wrong. It's just fun to be wrong when I'm making these type of predictions. But I think people Damn should, right. should yeah. know about that. And what do you tell a young person that, you know, 25, first job, opens a current account? What should they be focused on? Yeah, I mean, it depends if they're opening a current account, it means they're paycheck to paycheck. So um, take as much overtime as you can. They all work very hard. Uh, obviously, obviously use our savings pods and, uh, and our early payroll so you can save money. Don't get trapped in uh, the penalty fees in, in, in all the other bills that you're paying. And we're certainly going to launch some stuff that will help them there. Um, and then in terms of uh, I mean, you'll hate this, but in terms of like gambling on stocks and, and crypto, don't do it. Oh, you, you're man, living paycheck don't to, do I'm it. sorry. I'm I telling agree. you now. No, I'm like the first guy to tell people, what are you don't doing? Do don't do it. Save, don't do it. You're not going to, you're not going to win. Save a, 10 the, grand. Save your 10 grand. Get, save give yourself, give yourself six months of room to run yeah, from yeah. the law, run from your parents, run from a job you hate, run from some guy, uh, but give yourself 10, 20 grand to just breathe. That's Not it. enough people then, are, are taking advantage of breathing. I like that. You've become, you've been talking to Jack Dorsey, I think. I've been coming to, I've been not talking to him, but I sure am watching it and he's doing something right. Um, so I think, you know, I make a lot of jokes about these people, but man, they're solving problems that, you know, I wish though they were talking about the wealth gap 
and ways to at least ease the pain of the people like that the neobanks can help versus oh the bots on Twitter and the bots on Facebook. Those seem like such easy problems, like behave, honor the terms of service. But in the meantime, let's get money in the hands of people so the stimulus isn't just floating around out there in the wrong hands. So I, uh, I really appreciate you coming on and catching everybody up on neobanks and current. I'm so excited for awesome. you. Thank you. And, Thank uh, you, And laying the landscape out for us. And we'll have you back on, I'm sure, in the next quarter to give you an update on the state of neobanking. So uh, be well, my man. Anytime. Okay. Anytime. Thank you very much for your time, Hal. All right. Talk Good to you soon. You. See you soon. Bye. Cheers. So there you go. I mean, there has been like 900 years and in, squeezed into five years of neobanks because they've had competition, they've had regulation, they've had to, the customer was just neglected for so long by the banks, right? You have to go to the store, deposit a check, stand in line, uh, get yelled at, pay overdraft fees. I mean, you can't talk about a more battered person than a banking customer. The banks, in my opinion, are of the same school as the broadcasting corporations. They don't realize yet that they're actually dead. Yeah, it's just fascinating. And I just, this neobank thing, I don't know what I was thinking. You know, I'm, 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 I have religion, but I don't think it was explained. You know, again, it's just misinformation you know, and not understanding. And I think Chime and Current came in under the radar because of this. Right. And now it's too late to, to play catch up. And so it's pretty fascinating. The And then the Europeans came here because they were so far ahead of us and just had a retreat. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> yeah. Like the one time they get ahead of us and we send them packing. <laughs> ha, 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 Europe. And now you're shut down. Well, we're partying in Phoenix, coughing on each other. Yeah. So uh, this was Panic with Friends. It is October. I'm tinging, as people say. I haven't tinged with panic since March. In March, I was like trying not to panic. So I, I think that means something, but I hope I'm wrong. So we will talk a little bit more about the markets because, uh, as Stuart says, there could be a four-month little hole in here where it's just a vacuum of just yelling and non-activity, which is not productive for the economy and which means it's not good for stocks. So, uh, so be careful out there, everybody. Um, if you want to follow Panic with Friends, uh, Apple, Spotify, Google, any of your favorite podcasting apps, search my name, search Panic with Friends. Uh, thanks, Knut, for doing this. Thanks, Doctwitz, for distributing, and we'll see everybody soon.